Welcome to Answer the Call. I am Kelsey Kemp. I'm a career coach specialized in helping Christians discern their occupational calling, then practically land a job or start a business that's aligned with it. Also, you could have a meaningful and impactful career that fulfills your highest potential for the glory of God and the good of others. Now, I know that faithful listeners to this podcast come from a lot of different countries, age groups, and industries, but I do know that there's more than a few of you who are currently in college, potentially struggling, as I did, with analysis paralysis as you're trying to make a good decision on which job you're going to choose to pursue after you graduate. I totally sympathize. This could be kind of a huge, scary decision to make, but after listening to this episode, I'm confident that it's going to be more tangible and easier as you'll have a framework to carry with you. So this episode is for you. And side note, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're listening to this the week it goes live. But in this episode, I am going to talk to you, talk to you, I'll share, I'll share the things that are helpful to prioritize in a first job and why. Then second, I'll share the things that are unhelpful or less helpful to prioritize when making a decision about your first job and why. And then third, I'll share the questions that you should be asking yourself to identify the best opportunities that are at the intersection of these priorities and your personal interests and talents. Sound good? All right. First, I want to talk about, before we really dive into it, I want to share a little note and a resource that I think is going to really help you out. Um, And I just want to talk about the value and the purpose, the unique purpose of the first decade of your career and the special opportunities that it contains that generally aren't as available or easy to take hold of later in life. Like your 20s definitely have a competitive advantage in like a certain stage um, that and what it adds to your career. So in my opinion, and the opinion of many others, and that of this book that I'm about to recommend, your 20s are really a great time for thoughtful experimentation, character building, risk taking, uh, and understanding your, I'm really doing the hard work to understand your innate talents, and also collecting initial accomplishments to really prove them and back them up. Um, And They're also, that your 20s are a great time to take as many small bets and maybe a few big ones as possible in your career. You're likely at the peak of your flexibility and freedom and also have an incredible opportunity to rebound from any experiments that don't go well. And this is, of course, not to say that you don't have flexibility and freedom later in life. I am by no means a fatalist or like your chances are over kind of person whatsoever. I'm speaking generally, and it's not like the trade-offs for freedom and flexibility that you that most people generally gain in life, like a family, great things like purchasing a house and um, really settling in and building roots in your your community. Um, Those are fine and great (laughs) trade-offs to um, the flexibility and freedom that you had in your 20s that you have now given over to worthy and commitments in your life. I This might really seem like a side note, but I am saying this because I felt like when I was in at if you're a college student um, at your age, I gosh that makes me seem like I'm a 100. I am not. I'm 27, but whatever. Um, but 
uh, when I was your age, I felt like I was overwhelmed with information that made it seem like life just gets harder, more complicated, and less fulfilling, and um, you have much more opportunity to just naturally become more jaded and less hopeful over time, <laughs> and fun fades, and all of these things. And I'm a firm believer that that does not have to be true. I do believe that um, life is just different in every stage. It is by no means bad. And if you're concerned uh, like I was uh, when I was in college, I was really scared that adulthood is just this big scary thing and work is just going to be hard and I'm going to miss being around hundreds of people because I went to a really big university, um, well, thousands if I counted it all, um, all the time. And um, the thing is that I think that like God is good and every season has something good in it. So I just wanted to give that side note as a little encouragement. Please don't believe the, if there's anyone in your life that's like, well, these are your best years. Enjoy them while you have it. Like, I personally feel like my life has gotten better every single year. So please, if anyone's discouraging you in that, I am so sorry. It, that If that's true for their life, it doesn't have to be true for yours. Um, so truly, that was a tangent. That's just encouragement that I really felt it might be really needed um, if you were in a place like I was or hearing messages like I was. But I'm here to talk to you about your first career decision. So one resource that I would really recommend that you read to understand the advantage uh, and the unique opportunities within your 20s um, and some ways that that is uh, could be implicated in the career strategy that you form around it. I really, really cannot recommend enough that you read a book called The Defining Decade, Why Your 20s Matter and How to Make the Most of Them by uh, Dr. Wait, I read that wrong. I'm sorry. Um, Why Your 20s Matter and How to Make the Most of Them Now. <laughs> I forgot the action-oriented now. Um, and this is by Dr. Meg Jay, who is a clinical psychologist who has helped hundreds of people through their quarter-life crisis. <laughs> um, and I'll add a link in the show notes so you could go get that book on either Amazon or Audible. I really loved listening to it. And I've listened to it again this week. Um, just brushing up on um, thinking of really how do you use your 20s most strategically. And I appreciate that that book, it's not only about um, how you handle your career most strategically um, and to really set up your life in a really wonderful manner in your 20s, but it also talks about uh, relationships as well. So impactful. So anyway, I really do insist that you go click the link in the show notes and get that. You won't regret it at all. It's been really cool. I read it when I was 23 and then I read it again, obviously this past week. Um, and it's so cool to see how my life has changed for the better since really trying to get thoughtful about the principles suggested um, when I was in my earlier 20s. So um, but before we dive into the meat of this episode, I will warn you that this is going to be a really thorough framework that you'll probably want to see written out into bullet points and key questions to ask yourself just to make sure that you're able to take action on the recommendations I give you in this episode. So that is why I went ahead and wrote them all up for you in a free cheat sheet that you could download for free on my website, kelseykemp.com slash first job. Again, that is www 
www.kelseykemp.com slash first job. That link will also be in the show notes if you want to quickly reference it and click it after the episode. Um, so I know I'm a visual learner and I love listening to things first to really initially process it, but then it's essential to just get the cheat sheet, the action items, the cliff notes uh, all written up. So I have done that for you so you could keep that with you as you come closer potentially to actually evaluating the job opportunities in front of you. So now here we dive in. We're going to do it. So I'm going to start with the things that are helpful to prioritize when selecting a first job and why. I'm going to mention six really helpful things and then the brief notes on things that are unhelpful and I think are a myth and really don't need to be at the on the leaderboard of reasons why you take a job or not. Um, so anyway, starting with number one of what is good to prioritize, I always, oh my gosh, if you only take this one thing, I recommend that you prioritize the role over the company prestige or even the company culture that might initially attract you to that position. So your next employer, most, this really comes as a shock to a lot of people, your next employer most likely will not hire you just for the company name on your resume. It is far more likely that they're going to hire you based or give you a chance based on your skills and what you accomplished in your last job and your past experience that is relevant to the next job. I'm a firm believer that career pivots are definitely possible um, and you can get into a new role or industry, but oh my gosh, if you just went ahead and passed over one of the most common mistakes I see um, people make in general, but especially with the first job out of college, is to just... um, uh, prioritize. Oh, I think that company is super cool. Oh, that's a huge, like prestigious name. I want to be affiliated with it. So they'll take a position that is a, a business function or whatever type of function in a role that gives you responsibilities that you genuinely don't care about. And you don't want that to speak in any way about the trajectory of your career. But guess what? N- future employers will naturally sort based on your past experiences. So it does speak about the trajectory of your career. Um, Again, I believe that career pivots are completely possible. It is difficult and it does take a lot of extra work and strategy. And that's definitely why I think that career coaching is such a value add um, for the vast majority of people on earth who will have a nonlinear career. But go ahead and do yourself a favor and realize that it is better to prioritize your interest in a role versus an interest in a company and taking any role that you can with that company just because you think it's cool and you almost fall for their marketing. Um, So an example that I, well, first I want to just give a little bit more detail of what I mean with this. And it's that I really recommend that you gain experience in a role with daily tasks and significant responsibilities with that will give you, point you in a trajectory that you're actually interested in going in. Like, do you want to be your boss, essentially, for any job that you take? Look at up the chain of command. Do I want the job that they have if I stick around here? Uh, what are my career options getting out of this? Um, do I want to hold this type of job? <laughs> am I actually interested in the subject matter? Do I, am I good at the 
tasks that are on my plate every single day because if I hate them, that's going to be a really big deal in my life. <laughs> it's going to cause some dissatisfaction. Um, so an example to really illustrate this that I always give is that let's say you're super creative and collaborative um, and are also passionate um, about the outdoors and love a fun company culture Um you might fall into the common trap of thinking that you need to get any job that you could possibly get your hands on at Patagonia because in college, everyone's wearing Patagonia clothing, or at least where I went to school. And it's super cool. And there's a ton of brand awareness. And you've heard, um, uh, I don't know, a linked, seen a LinkedIn article or two about how they've won awards for their company culture and whatnot. So you're like, oh, I love the outdoors. I should go work there. But you are tempted to prioritize your desire to work for them so much because you think that company culture is going to influence your life and your career and your experience in it more than your daily tasks in the department you're in. But this is a false notion. So let's say you are really lucky and you land a job in the accounts receivable department in Patagonia. <laughs> um, but you're not going to be charmed. Here's just the truth. You are really not going to continue to be charmed by the company culture for long if you hate your daily tasks and you have no real desire to move up in that department or in that field in general. You're going to miss those in this example. Um, you're honoring your true nature. You're going to miss that and feel sad about it. Like I'm super creative and collaborative and I wish that I had more creative autonomy or was able to exercise um, tasks that are more visual or graphic design or something like that. But I just took any job I could get because I thought, man, Patagonia does such cool thing with things with their branding and they're such a cool company and they give their employees great perks. But you're not in a department that matters to you at all. So after a while, it's going to be, and studies show that it's only 60 days in at best, that you no longer care about the ancillary perks um, more than the building frustration that's present in your mind from not liking the tasks that you're doing in your job. So it's going to be pretty difficult to get a job at another company in any other role besides that in this example, like if you're in accounts receivable department, like you're going to have a difficult time not just being automatically slotted for another low level admin role unless you really do some, you're willing to do the work, which is totally possible to do some heavy lifting with side hustles and other things to prove that you have a diversity of other experiences to lean on and to prove yourself with. So again, not impossible, but do you want to go through this headache when you really could have avoided it by just prioritizing building uh, skills in a role that you actually want to grow in and potentially build a career off of and you're excited about the trajectory of it? And in which case you just really would be better off to take a role that you're interested in at a lesser known company if you have that opportunity than a role that would you would rather leave off your resume at a huge company that you just thought was cool. So that's a big one that I see um, kind of misleading people if that's um, a switched up value for you. So that's what I would recommend prioritizing. Um, then two, I definitely, with your first job out of college, I really recommend that you prioritize taking a job opportunity that is a healthy character building challenge. You could read this as do something hard. 
<laughs> so get out of your comfort zone. This is seriously the time. This is the time to start putting yourself in circumstances that will start forcing you to build proof that you could handle whatever life throws at you. Oh my gosh, that is the capital that you'll leverage in like any interview that you have next. Um, that's what makes you really adaptable to be able to pitch yourself for a lot of different positions because you're like, listen, I like I have done all these other things. I'm a quick learner. I could handle a lot of responsibility. You don't have to want to continue to be in a stressful position. That's not what I'm suggesting, but you have a lot more leverage um, if you have taken uh, a challenging position and you've proved that you could at least manage something pretty uh, universally recognized as difficult or impressive. So yeah, I recommend that you, um, I'm going to challenge you to do something hard. <laughs> I believe that you could fast track your career into something you really love if you commit to a character building experience right out of the gate because it's going to force you to learn almost through a baptism of fire, learn who you are, learn what you do well and what you're not great at and even what you hate and what you love. It is going to make you think about these things and it's going to also make you think about the and um, it's just going to give you the motivation also to take those lessons and hightail it out of there at the right time instead of sticking around in a potentially suboptimal situation that's not fulfilling your potential just because it's comfortable to stay there. So I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in what I don't recommend that you prioritize in your first position right out of college and this might like I understand if you want to push back on this or if there's different opinions I just generally think that um, this could be something that is really helpful um, because if you're prioritizing something that's just like comfortable and a nice gig um, I just think that your early 20s are such a good time to hustle honestly um, you're gonna have more time than probably ever in your life um, to really prove yourself, learn a lot about yourself and be enriched in this way. So if you're prioritizing, I see this quite a bit. Again, not necessarily bad. Everyone's allowed to have a different set of values and strategy for their life. It is literally your life. Go live it. But um, people who decide to take a really comfortable position that maybe isn't stretching what they have to learn and become good at and juggling multiple responsibilities or giving you the ability to maybe start managing a team at an earlier age like that is a very impactful experience but if you're taking a position that you're like oh totally manageable super easy um I only work like eight hours a day maybe less and it's just a decent salary and the people are nice enough and I'm not frustrated enough to leave I do see people having um a harder time just making really efficient decisions in their 20s to pursue their highest potential and get into a job that is really an amazing fit for them because it it puts them in this kind of cocoon effect like oh it's it's nice and warm in here like why I don't know it's going to take them so much longer to be on the fence to change when they could be optimizing their career a lot more and they don't have to just constantly feel like it's okay so I think that 
um, or that it's just okay. I think that challenges, especially early in your career, can have a special ability to force you to think critically and be very decisive instead of having instead of just selecting an okay job that, um, yeah, it kind of puts you in that incubator and getting used to good enough right out of college. Um, because I'm a firm believer in the power of understanding the difference between bad, okay, and great through experience. I don't think that there's any other way than just to have a diversity of experiences so you really know what you're all about. Um, and it could be, it could help you a challenging experience can help you become the kind of person who knows what they're doing and why with a conviction to not settle. So I think that going ahead and really devoting yourself to something that's going to be a healthy character building challenge could be so helpful for that, uh, especially right out of the gate in your early 20s. It's a great time push yourself. So the third thing that I really think is an important priority to consider and evaluate your job options that you're considering against is number three, exposure to a variety of people, functions, business partnerships, industries, and other opportunities, etc. Basically, what I'm saying is I think that it is highly valuable right out of college to accept a position that gives you exposure to a variety of tasks and opportunities instead of just being siloed right away. Though, again, I'm going to remind you and encourage you throughout this episode um, that you could absolutely overcome being siloed. I was once siloed in a position and it's okay, you can still make a career pivot. But if we're talking ideally here because you're a strategic thinker, you're listening to this podcast, you want to make a really great decision, um, then I would go ahead and as best as you can select an opportunity that gives you an opportunity to have a variety of responsibilities. Ideally, it'd be pretty cool if you could also have visibility to working with teams in um, your organization that maybe are in a variety of different work streams or departments. Um, or even if you're in more of a customer or client facing aspect of whatever company you're working for, maybe those clients are or customers are ones that are a variety of people companies like business to business sales or whatever um, that gives you a diversity of experiences. So an example of this is that some of my friends who worked at smaller consulting firms, I decided to work at quite a large consulting firm right out of college. So some of my friends who worked in smaller consulting firms um, than the one I got a job with, they didn't make as much money or have as many company trips, perks, rewards, wellness programs, whatever, all the hoopla and the big name. Um, but they did get to be on shorter, less specialized projects for a wider variety of industries business models and work streams. So sometimes they got to experiment even with uh, as wide a variety of things as being tasked on um, projects in which they had to learn and execute on um, things in financial consulting, management consulting, different areas of tech consulting projects, and even consulting companies on operational and logistic optimization projects. And so potentially this could have been um, a really advantageous perk to their position that they could have been getting most likely, I mean, from all these conversations I've had with friends, it seems like the real benefit was that they got to have the ability to 
tailor their resume uh, to multiple different industries or roles that they would want to pivot into. Like they could really sell themselves into a wide variety of jobs and opportunities for their second career move, which is so valuable. So a pro is that uh, to taking a position that gives you at least any kind of variety that you could get instead of just being like, nose to the grindstone, you are just, um, for example, uh, maybe taking, um, Mm, gosh, what is an example? Maybe you're in healthcare sales for just like this one product and that is it. I think that taking a job in sales can actually make you qualified for a ton of different roles after that. But um, you you might have a hard time getting into uh, if you want to become a UX designer. Maybe you haven't worked on a client who um, is undergoing a big transformation of their um, technologies or anything like that, um, or their operating systems. And so, uh, again, that variety can just kind of help you out. So you have multiple things to leverage in another interview, um, to position yourself for a broader variety of other jobs. So I'm going to move forward to the fourth thing that I would recommend that you prioritize if you can. I'm not saying that you, I mean, it'd be awesome. Call me up if you actually get a position with all of these um, check marks checked uh, right out of college, but just some food for thought. If you get any number of these, that's going to be a really great thing. Um, The fourth thing that I would consider prioritizing is getting a job that's honestly a really good story. So something that clearly builds you both as a person and a professional. So I think that this principle is beautifully described by the concept of building what Dr. Meg Jay calls identity capital in the defining decade, her book that I mentioned. Her encouragement in this whole building identity capital principle or concept is um, to take the job with the most career potential that will meaningfully build your professional identity. To do this, look out for more opportunities that will help you build the most relationships, learn the most, grow the most, and experience the occasional novelty even. Like, oh, I got to work with Facebook on this one project, or I I collaborated with this aspect of their business, or um, I actually was selected to um, be the team leader of my company's um, corporate social responsibility initiatives for this big charity, or um, I got to work on the campaign that... um, generated like this crazy like notable result or something like that and so prioritizing something that's uh, like tells a good story and it, it develops your identity capital in this way like hey I have a really interesting career story right out of the gate and that is what people honestly latch on to in wanting to give you interviews and what to talk about in the interviews and what makes you memorable. And so I would really encourage you to remember this principle for your first job right out of college, especially if something seems like it's just going to be an amazing opportunity, hugely character building, really, um, I'll give an example to make this more tangible in a minute, but um, like such a good career story that you got to work on that thing or be in that fellowship or that one year like postgrad internship or something like that. Um, And I want to encourage you to consider 
going the perks of going for it which might be at the expense or the trade-off of giving you the most comfort the most uh, recognizable status um, when you and your um, peers at graduation are comparing jobs you know someone might have gotten a job at Bain and Company and you're going to work for this small nonprofit. but what's your role there is it really significant and going to give you amazing experience like just be ready um, to stand your ground in that way or it might not even be the one that necessarily makes the most money and I'm just vying for you to consider that it might be okay. So Dr. J's personal example is that she spent the first four years of her career as what I believe was a guidance counselor role for wilderness camps for troubled youth. Uh, And so the novelty and the easily recognizable character building opportunities that must have been present in this job is what got her interviews. And apparently, once she got into those interviews, she said that's all they ever wanted to talk to her about. And they were so impressed by her experience. And it really... um, caused her them in the interview she said to skip over and just be like yeah yeah we get that we saw on your resume you have like the standard professional or academic you've met the academic standards that we're looking for that she already met through her undergrad studies and some other internships and side hustles that she built up on the side but they were like wow we get it that you're like baseline qualified but look at this super interesting experience that you had and she attributes this as the reason that she was able to get into much better grad and PhD programs than some of her peers who took the conventional jobs en route to a career as a clinical psychologist as um, that's what she ended up pursuing. So um, the key though is that she selected something that was deeply character building and interesting uh, yet she was still able to tie it to the overall career story and career trajectory that she wanted to move towards as a clinical psychologist. So she clearly encountered a lot of things that um, caused her to have perspective and learn more about mental health and being a trusted voice in the lives of people who have tough situations. Um, And so this, she could communicate it as highly relevant into what she was wanting to do, even though um, on many days, she said that she was just like driving a huge van meeting these different groups in the woods who needed supplies and Um, might have only had her as their first contact in the outside world in weeks. And so then she transitioned into more of a um, a leader role, like leading different expeditions. But um, it's just interesting how you could spend certain positions that she might have said, honestly, I spent most of my time just like making sure that they were okay, guiding them on different (laughs) <laughs> roots and the and paths in the woods and making sure that they had their supplies but the exposure and the way she could spend that position was really really influential to the identity capital and the professional branding story that she was able to spin up so as another example let's say that you have to pick between these two jobs you can make 60k right now in an entry level role at an ad company Or you could make 30K right now as a marketer at a startup. Which one do you think is going to help you get the most experience and gain more authority and accomplishment and also give you more to talk about in future interviews? Um, 
right out of college, you know? So I'm just going to pose that question to you. So P.S., before I close out on this point, I do want to say I am, (laughs) with the salary thing, I'm not going to shy away from telling you to go out there and get some coin, you know? Go ahead, maximize your earning potential. That's totally fine. I'm just suggesting that you consider the other ways in which you might get paid, both in growth opportunity and identity capital. But no, I am definitely not opposed to negotiating that salary, getting a good one. Booyah. I'm all about it. Okay, I'm going to move on to my last two points of priorities that I would recommend that you consider. Um, The fifth one is opportunities for learning and development. This is kind of baked into a a sub point of some other things that I've mentioned. But ask yourself when you're looking at a position Better yet, ask the interviewer (laughs) and discover the job posting and see if it has any details about it. What type of training and continual learning opportunities does the company provide to its employees? Do you get to go to conferences? Do they do lunch and learns? And um, is there a a budget or requirement for uh, facilitating continual professional development? Um, Do they give employees a chance to have externships or shadowing days at different parts of the company or um, do internally led initiatives for like reinvest opportunities and stuff? Um, So admittedly, this is definitely more of a perk than a necessity because you can absolutely commit yourself to doing your own self-study and investing in your own professional development and suggesting whatever initiatives you want to in whatever company that you're a part of. You don't have to wait for someone to invite you to do that. Um, And so you could definitely just, you know, create your own learning and development opportunities. But it is really nice to consider, like, how is this position? um, What are the perks set in place to really help me grow in my career? And what resources does this company have um, to really skyrocket me. Like if I want to go get my MBA, am I working for a a company that provides potential MBA sponsorship if I agree to work with them for a certain amount of years? Um, And is that worth it to you? It's like, is that really important to you? So go ahead and ask yourself that. Um, I also recommend listening to my episode. uh, I maybe paused a couple dozen episodes back, honestly, with Johnny Baker. Um, And it's all about MBA. Should you do it? Should you not? How should you, should you pick a good program? I am just saying that now because I know some business students are going to be up on this podcast and being like, I automatically have to go to grad school and you might not. So go listen to that. Um, anyway, I'm going to move on to my last point for what to prioritize in your first job in right out of college. So um, you will notice that I have left culture, company culture and team fit for last It is a priority, but of course, to me, these are actually just a given because it's good to vet any job, no matter if it's your first or your 50th. Wow, that would be impressive if you had 50 jobs. Would it be impressive though? I don't know. But it's good to vet any job that you're considering for bad box. Gosh, I I am recording this at 6.34 p.m. on a Friday evening. And I'm a little bit out of words, but we're trucking, we're trying. So of course, it is good to vet any job for bad bosses and toxic culture. It is 
always good to try to meet the team and assess if you're going to want to spend the mo- the majority of your time with them. Um, but the truth of the matter is um, you might be interviewing with something um, like a consulting company, in which case you cannot and you won't know which team you'll be assigned to in advance. And that's okay. You could focus on the other priorities I've mentioned um, that you'll actually have a chance to assess and still make a good decision based off of those. Um, which I know some people are screaming right now because they're like, no, a bad boss is going to give affect your experience the most. And it's like, yeah, of course it might. But think about the other priorities that I advise you to consider. There might actually be some scenarios in which you kind of grin and bear it for a good opportunity. Um, yeah, your quality of life might not be the best for a year and a half. Wow, I'm sounding literally so jaded. But um there really could, I mean, if you get a job at the New York Times, are you going to be like, no, I think this boss has an annoying tone and I'm not going to take it. I don't think so. So ideally, uh, to wrap this section of the podcast up, if you land a job offer that helps you become the professional you want to be and at least gives you the opportunity to really grow and develop some identity capital and some skills that you enjoy growing in, in an area that you enjoy learning about, then bingo! If you hit nothing else, I would really recommend shooting for a position that is going to help um, or be aligned with um your genuine interest in the role and the quality of experience you would gain in it over just the flashiness of the company name and the salary. Then I would also recommend that you prioritize choosing a character building experience in which you prove yourself, learn a lot about yourself, and hopefully even come out with some good stories. And on a technical note, what this often boils down to is becoming open, um, not necessarily, but just becoming open to working at a small to mid-sized company uh, that has a great opportunity aligned with some of these priorities, especially in terms of role and the responsibilities you'd be given, um, in which you're able to learn more and have more autonomy and breadth to your job uh, than being very niche down as a, let's say, a business analyst at at a huge firm in this like super siloed niche area in industry service line. Um, So that's just a technical note. You might want to consider more small to medium-sized companies potentially could have some little treasures of job opportunities over just automatically shooting for the big companies. Um, That was a big thing uh, at the school I went to. It felt like everyone was just funneled into huge companies. Totally fine. Um, but just maybe consider that as food for thought. Okay. So before we quickly move on to the things that are unhelpful to prioritize when selecting a first job and why, I'm going to just share with you uh, a couple quick questions. And this is going to be in that checklist that you could um, get the free download for on my website. Um, I think I said kelseykemp.com slash first job. Uh, go check out the link in the show notes. It'll be there. Um, but here are some questions to evaluate job opportunities you're considering against to assess their alignment with these priorities I've mentioned. So when you're looking at a job posting, ask yourself, how will this help me grow? Who would I likely become (laughs) by doing this job? Um, What kind of opportunities would be readily available to me after this job? 
would I predictably have a harder or an easier time making a pivot after this job if I wanted to, i.e. is this job somewhat general and would it allow me to build significant identity capital, both of which are factors that would allow me to be more mobile, like is that the case? Um, and then the last question I'll suggest you ask to um, vet your job opportunities against is how would this job influence my professional brand like my career story that I tell um, in interviews and applications <laughs> what would I be known for am I okay with that like do I want to be pegged in that way like if that happens you could always uh, reinvent yourself but it's going to be kind of hard so just looking at this job up front like do I am I okay with being known for this kind of role uh, would I want to continue in it so these I am now going to talk about the things that are unhelpful to prioritize when selecting a first job and why. Very quick, I'm only going to mention two things. One, it's kind of the antithesis of what I mentioned earlier or the summation of it. I would not recommend just putting, finding a job that seems fun and easy and comfortable on the top of your list for what you're looking for and judging jobs against. Um, if you want to do that, like that's totally on you. I'm going to have, like, if you think that's best for you, it's totally fine. But um, I am going to have a, another episode come out next week about how to choose your second job out of college. And we're going to address more preferences there now that you've had the chance to learn more about yourself through experience. It's not so theoretical anymore um, as you've been in school for a couple of years. And now you've gotten out into the workforce and the game, the decision game changes and the framework changes a little bit there. But for now, we're talking about your first job out of college. It's going to be less advantageous to just go for the easiest job that seems the most fun or has the most fun coworkers that you vibe with. Because honestly, when you're looking for a second job, you are not going to be talking about how fun Cheryl was. You're going to be talking about... <laughs> um, like what your responsibilities were and what you accomplished with the responsibilities you were given, how you advanced um, the potential of your role and actually drove results for your team or your department or your company. Um, that's what you're going to be talking about, <laughs> quite frankly. Literally, you are not going to have one chance to talk about like, man, I just love my coworkers so much. So they're going to be like, great, why are you leaving? Um, but then two... Um, the other thing that I think is unhelpful to prioritize, it, not look out for. If you get these things, that is absolutely amazing. I'm talking about solely prioritize when you're uh, trying to make a career selection. But the other thing is, it's not super helpful to just think about having coworkers you like in a job that gives you zero upward mobility or enhancement to your career potential per my other points. So to summarize, coming closer to the end, to summarize, when choosing your first job out of college, I really recommend that you look for the kinds of skills that you are really excited to, de to develop. Gosh, I'm not going to edit that out. I'm just probably going to stutter once or twice more before this episode is over because again, uh, now it's 6.43 p.m. on a Friday night. But um, 
uh, I recommend that you look out for the kinds of skills that you really want to develop and be known for over time. And two, the breadth of your role and responsibilities and the variety of exposure to diverse opportunities. Um, I also recommend that you try to select something that's a healthy challenge that will help you grow in character, get out of your comfort zone, have to learn something new, have to learn quickly, have more responsibility than maybe you feel ready for, because it's really going to help you grow in character, in discipline, in perspective, and professional acumen over something um, that's just easy and comfortable that's really not going to afford you those real like character building experiences or opportunities so this is all over um just being super distracted and drawn towards taking a job that's associated with a really flashy company name and the prestige that comes along with it um this these are the things I also re recommend prioritizing over salary if you have to uh, in sacrifice of better opportunities for growth. Although really, again, these don't always or even usually have to be a trade-off, but do watch out for it. Okay, are you ready to move into one of the final segments of this episode in that I'm going to give you the questions to ask yourself to identify the best opportunities in at the intersection of these priorities and your personal interests and talents and what you want. Um, so the natural first question that people often come to when trying to make a decision of, you know, everyone's always asking you, what are you going to do after graduation? Natural first question that's bouncing around in your brain, which gets really existential and hard to answer is, what do I want to have a career in? And that's just, that's the macro question that you actually have to answer a ton of way more helpful, tangible micro questions before you could answer that one. So the truth is I have met some people like former podcast guest Lauren War, who is a wildlife conservationist who knew from such an early age that she wanted to do that as a career and she's loved sticking with it. And for people like Lauren, their idea of a dream career really did end up being their actual dream career. Um, the reality though is that this is just not the case for the vast majority of people and it's totally okay. Really totally okay. Um, like they aren't necessarily the lucky ones. Like your situation, it's just neutral. Your story is different and that's okay um, if that is you. Um, but you still have, the reality is, a lot of exploring and learning to do both about yourself, the world, and the workforce. And so my encouragement to you is to not get too frustrated if you can't come up with a super confident answer to the, what do I want to do with my life question? You most likely haven't even heard of what will become your dream job yet. I know that's a crazy concept, but especially as innovation continually creates shifts and new opportunities in the workforce, I think it's super exciting to be able to say, you know, in five years, in 10 years, I'm going to be doing something so cool that literally doesn't even exist yet. And that is totally okay. So the more bite-sized questions that are much more helpful to be asking yourself at this stage of the game is, and again, these are going to be listed in the download that you could go get for free 
um, on, I'll mention the URL one more time, kelseykemp.com forward slash first job. Um, so I'll just quickly go through these to kind of get your mind jogged on them before you go read them in that handout. But ask yourself from what experiences I've had thus far, what tasks have I noticed I experience the most focus, ease, and sense of flow while doing. Like you're really in the zone. You really like doing that and you feel super accomplished and like, oh, I had like, I got in the flow while I was doing that. Also ask yourself, what am I naturally good at? Um, More general, but like what types of jobs would allow me to spend a lot of my time exercising those talents and efficiencies? P.S., this, once you have kind of a general answer to that question, you can go ask everyone you know, your professors, your mentors, your family friends, your career coach, <laughs> wink, wink. Um, You could go ask a career coach like me and other professionals that you network with outside of your existing circles to get ideas and suggestions for what professions might allow you to spend a lot of your time working on daily tasks that are aligned with your natural talents. Um, so that is what I suggest you do. Don't you forget it. It's a very powerful tip that is often overlooked and people forsake it to just go get super defeated on LinkedIn at a bunch of entry level positions that aren't exciting to them. Go get some creative ideas from people who have been in touch with a lot of different circles and know of different job opportunities. They could tell you about an amazing job opportunity that you probably don't even know about yet or a career path you don't know about yet. So Go ask your network once you come up with some initial answers to what you think your natural talents might be. Ask them what they think might be a good fit. Another question I suggest you ask yourself is, hey, I might not know everything of like what I want from my life and what career I want to do as my life's work. That's totally fine. But what do you know? Like what are a few details you know you want? And it's totally okay if they're sparse, but give yourself permission to make decisions based off what you know you don't want because you probably don't really know what you want to do yet. That's okay. It's naturally almost a... um the odds are stacked against you if you're looking out into the big bad world and you're like, what do I want from all these crazy options? It is a very helpful framework, um, especially at the earliest stages of your career to start with what you don't want. Um, But then also, if you do have a few details as to what you do want, like if you have a preference on city, the type of industry you think you would like to work in, might just be a hypothesis at this point, or what kind of organization size you might want to work with, um, or the type of role, etc., go with those and start narrowing down your search with any of these elements, many or a few that you at least know for now you prefer. Use anything that you could do to shave it down, <laughs> shave down the um, search results. So three more questions. Whose career do I, or whose careers, multiple people, do I admire and want to emulate the most? What about them? What does this say about what I value most in my work and how I want it to impact people? Study how those people you admire got started and see if that's something you're interested in. What could, another question, what could I research or talk about all day? I think this is a super cool one. What could I research or talk about all day? Is there a job that would allow me to participate in that or a stepping stone job that might get me there? Um, So definitely ask that one. The last question I'll suggest is then practically, if you're in a job interview, 
look at who your boss would be and ask yourself this question I mentioned a little earlier. Um, would I want to be in that person's job in five to 10 years? If no, you honestly better have some other super compelling reasons on the priority list as to why you should take that offer. Otherwise, it might not be a good fit. Um, but those are my questions. These are obviously just a tiny subset of a lot of the questions I lead my clients through. Of course, it's honestly a lot of a personalized process, but I do have a structure and a framework. And this is just a sampling of the depth I would go to in really helping someone tease out how to design a career that is technically going to be satisfying while technically maximizing their potential in a way that is a positive feedback loop towards satisfaction (laughs) and meaning working towards something that they were created to have a bent towards, created to have a heart to solve or to create or whatever. Um, And so that's obviously just a tiny sampling platter, a little uh, appetizer of um, something to get started with, though um, there's a reason there is a much more thorough process that I walk people through, but I hope those initial questions are helpful. So I'm going to close out now. I have shared quite a few things that I absolutely pray and I hope are really helpful to you as you're making your first job decision out of college. I know it can be really intimidating. So that's why I wanted to close with a few principles that will give you perspective and hopefully a little comfort if your head is spinning and you're scared still to make the wrong decision. I wanted to first encourage you to know that few decisions are totally irreversible. Um, But actually, a consistent lack of decisiveness is one of the big pitfalls and could be what you perceive to be kind of a waste um, of some what could have been some opportunities in your life. So I think that as long as you're just really trying to do well and be decisive and once you feel you know enough to make a good decision, then go ahead and make it because that's honestly the best you could do at this stage. You'll learn from it. You'll change. You'll make another better decision based on what you got to know then. Nobody gets to avoid... um, life lesson, what you will eventually count as a life lesson. No one gets to escape from what you might call a, oh, I could have done better or a mistake or something that, yeah, maybe there was something else you could have done and enjoyed more, but you only know that once you get some experience. And so I hope that what I've proposed in this episode helps you make sense and make decisions off of what you can know now, but it's totally okay that you're just going to continue to make a better decision and you will get a second job that hopefully you'll like more. And that's totally fine. <laughs> like that's just the name of the game. Um, just remember the comfort that few decisions are totally irreversible. If you don't like this one, go make another better decision for your second and third job. Um, so the sub point to this of encouragement is you can absolutely make a career pivot after your first job or your second job or your after 20 years in a job, I've helped people do that. It won't be easy, sure. But uh, so be prepared to seek out help or do a lot of self-study trial and error on trying to build the skill set of job hunting with um, into a totally new industry or role. Like that is definitely something that I think career coaching is such a high value add for because it is difficult, but I want to let you know that you could absolutely do it. I have like countless stories of not just clients, but just friends 
who have made like what you might consider like wild, unlikely career pivots. And it's totally fine. You could do it. If you don't like this first one, it's okay. Like I said, go make another better, happier decision. Um, and the third thing I want to encourage you in out of four things is honestly, it's so likely that your first job isn't going to matter much to you in 10 years or even just five years. Just make the best decision you know how to make right now and don't get complacent. Like you could make a career pivot if you want to at any time. Um, you can make your first job irrelevant, honestly, to your future if you hated it. Um, you could go build another career story. It's not easy, but it's absolutely doable and it's totally fine. So um, what my last encouragement to you is whatever position you end up taking, don't just warm a seat, really make it mean something. You can even maximize the most modest positions to learn, grow, and rack up accomplishments to your name and collect a circle of cheerleaders in your career through a strong uh, relational network if you're willing to be resourceful, ambitious, and masterful in the work you've been given. Listen, I have seen people pivot from being an administrative assistant to getting an influential and exciting position as a marketing consultant, like a lot of responsibility, a lot of sway for different companies that she gets to work with now, straight from being a person who managed someone's calendar to now she is a marketing consultant. That is amazing. <laughs> um, and she, well, another example is I've seen a another person I've worked with, a second year accountant, become the director of operations for a startup. And then third, an intern in the fundraising department of a nonprofit, become the manager of partnerships and outreach for a small venture capital firm in DC. Just literally so wild. Like these are enormous career leaps for, um, I think all the examples I've given thus far were between 23 and 24 years old. Um, I've also, another client of mine went from unemployment to sales for a gym to nursing to now owning a small bakery business that's doing really well. Um, and then even me, a tech consultant, I, that's how I started out essentially filling a business analyst role on app development projects for large companies. And now like literally that has nothing to do with what I do now. Um, and cause now I'm a career coach, but those <laughs> like, obviously those two professions that I've um, served in are by no means similar in any way, but I took the principles that I learned in high-level client services and automation and tech development to enhance elements of my business now. So I made it work for me. I could have called it a waste, but um, then most of all, I took the collection of things that I realized I didn't like about that job to design a career I actually wanted to dedicate myself to for decades ahead. And the intensity of my dislike for it gave me the singular ambition to make this business work no matter what. And that's how it's been that's how it survived the early stages and is now doing well almost three years in. See, like literally nothing is wasted and where there is a will, there is a way for you to make a career pivot. So 
I hope that this is encouraging to you that it takes a little bit of the pressure off to making a decision as to what your first job out of college will be. Um, but at the same time, I hope that the strategies and the priorities and the principles that I shared are ones that allow you to thoughtfully select a position that is going to really start your career off on a strong foot and give you a lot of potential learning and ability to get into what you would consider your calling and kind of be ready to address that bigger question that comes admittedly slightly later in life for some people. Um, but I hope that the principles I suggested really help you start off your career, like I said, on a super strong foot. So, okay, I shared a lot of tips and questions in this episode. So if, again, if you're a visual person like me and you want to see all that I typed up, then go ahead and head to kelseykemp.com forward slash first job to download the outline in this episode with all the questions you need to be asking yourself for free. Yeah, you get to ask yourself them for free, but I wrote them for free. Um, that's what I meant. But even better, I actually wanted to let you know that I'm doing something I have never done before. So for the rest of November and December in 2020, the year that I'm recording this, I'm opening up spots on my calendar for individual career strategy sessions for college students where you and I can meet up to dig into your biggest questions, fears, your aspirations, the things that are stressing you out, and the career decisions that you might have on your plate. And I typically only work with young professionals that are at least one to two years into their career and they have that experience underway who are ready to make a career pivot. But I'm opening up this unique opportunity for college students to get my help as well now in a one-to-one -one strategy one or a one-time career strategy session with me. So if you are a college student who's interested in getting the chance to work with me as your career coach, email me at kelsey at kelseykemp.com. I know, super original. Um, again, that is kelsey at kelseykemp.com. I'll have that in the show notes to discuss uh, the details and get your session booked with me before the end of the year. Hint, this might be a great Christmas present to ask mom and dad for. But um, also, if you're a college student listening to this episode anytime after the new year, you could still feel free to email me at kelsey at kelseykemp.com to ask if a strategy session can still be made available to you. All right. I will talk to you soon. I really hope that this episode blessed you. Um, and I hope that you know I'm really cheering you on. And gosh, I just wish I actually got to meet everyone who listened to this episode. And I just want to encourage you so much. I am sure that you're doing great. And the fact that you're even listening to this episode shows that you care about your career a lot. And I genuinely think the people who care are the people who succeed because you have the drive to really apply the best of yourself to all of your decisions. So yeah, hope that little nugget is encouraging to you. And I will talk to you next week in episode, oh my gosh, I think episode 90, all about how to make your second career decision out of college. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.